Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Jarrett Kwan is our guest this episode. Greetings, Jarrett. Hi. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun, and I run the exoskeleton art space in Los Angeles, and I'm a designer in Los Angeles. My name's Taylor Hokinson. Uh, I'm an artist, an educator, a DIY enthusiast, and a noted tall person in Chicago, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. Well, uh, my name is Jared Kwan. I use the he, his gender pronoun. I'm a designer, illustrator, maker in Los Angeles. I uh, work at Riot Games as a visual designer and made art for Coachella. Yes, indeed. There's some interesting news I want to talk to both of you about. Hmm. Oh. Have you have you all been following the defense distributed uh, court case that just came down? No. Oh, no. Oh, this one this one's really interesting. So Cody Wilson, the guy who came up with the Liberator 3D printed gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. So he. Uh, it's interesting to see right now. So I was really getting into DIY CNC some years ago, um, and then of course you know, it seemed like the 3D printing was really ruling the day for about 10 years there. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like more companies are coming around to CNC milling in order to get a hold of more interesting materials. Um, so Cody Wilson had started out with the Liberator, and he's like a super um, libertarian guy. He was in law school and dropped out and uh, was trying to, for those who don't know the story, you know, he was taking the um, the name from the gun that they would just uh, drop all over uh, Europe during World War II, I guess they were like these little tin guns that would only fire one bullet, but the idea mm-hmm. was that, you know, if the resistance was full of these, that you could at least make a dent that way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's sort, of, he's sort of trying to use the uh, the greatest generation and something that everyone can agree on, like the rightness of that, but then update it to, you know, 2008 or whatever it was, and to have this kind of libertarian stuff about gun accessibility. And the and the thing, you know, it like it had a chance of just blowing up in your hand if you 3D printed it and tried to fire it. Yeah. Um, but then Congress wanted him to take all the copies of it offline once he started distributing the thing online, which was kind of showing how little, you know, Congress understood about the technology. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to make a little CNC mill called the Ghost Gunner. And all this thing was meant to do was you would buy an AR-15 lower, like an aluminum blank, that was mm-hmm. meant for single fire. And then you would stick it into the jig, effectively like the permanent jig inside the Ghost Gunner. And it would make the little drill holes and stuff that would turn it into um, effectively an illegal gun. Um, so so apparently there's a court case, and I'm having trouble loading the Wired article but it just came down that they can't apparently tell him that he that he cannot put certain information online. Um, and so in this case, he can continue his business um, because they were trying to threaten his ability to produce and sell these CNC machines. So I was just curious what you guys thought about that. Oh, man, that's crazy. I guess they're doing it under freedom of speech. That's probably the way they're probably defending exactly. it. Mm-hmm. Like everything right now. Yeah, and it's like you can't really... Um, I guess, make a set of instructions illegal. And then he could argue that his CNC machine is used for something else. And mm-hmm. man, that's kind of crazy. Although it's, it seems really irresponsible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those classic things of the difference between legality and morality. And, uh, you know, just cause you can do something doesn't mean you should. <laughs> yeah. There was, I remember, um, there was a, a book publisher who published a book about how to be a hitman. Mm-hmm. And there was, of course, controversy about this book. And I can't remember if the publisher won or lost about, like, can you publish a book that is explicitly instructional right. on how to kill someone? Um, is it Hitman, a technical manual for independent contractors? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the the cover art is incredible. And so I was curious about like, because it, it seems like there's a lot of overlap there in some ways, right? It's like right. whether the whether the instruction manual is for uh, like a, a a router bit or for it's for a person. I don't know. It seems like. Like, what about if uh, you're to turn it into like, what if someone set instructions on how to make drugs online? Would they be able to keep you from putting instructions to make drugs online? Right, yeah, that's a good, I don't know, that's a good question. And not to mention that there's uh, there's plenty of drugs that have other uses, I assume, right? Yeah. Um, and so, 
Yeah, so you could make an argument for like off-label uses of LSD or something, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or if someone sold a kit to make LSD, like it, right. you know, would right. they be able to sell that? Because you could say, oh, it's an educational kit to make some other drug. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm kind of of two minds of it because you know. So I'm sitting in Chicago right now, and, and from what I've read online. You know, a lot of crime is committed by a younger person who just takes an older sibling's gun that's just sitting under their bed. You know, so it's not mm-hmm. it's not like the guns are hard to get access to. Uh, now, getting access to um, an automatic or a semi-automatic weapon perhaps is a little bit harder. But the notion to me, like like even if you were just to go buy it legally, I mean, it's going to be far less expensive than buying a CNC, a purpose-built CNC machine that you probably have to wait a little bit for, and then you know getting getting a hold of the blanks and then going ahead and milling them out. I mean, as, as Rob's been talking about for the last couple of episodes, you buy that three D printer and you stick it in your shop, but it's not like you just press the button and then leave. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> right? I guess I mean, it just right, right. It just takes a lot of money up front to be able to do this right. so i guess i could see some of his argument that he's not making this happen and not killing people but at the same time it's um i don't know clearly he's stirring stuff up and i think he really enjoys the cult of personality people will talk about well if this guy tries too hard the government might really overcorrect in a different way and then say like you have to vet every file you send to a 3d printer it would have to like go through a cloud service you yeah, actually want to know something kind of funny that I figured out um, a couple of years ago is yeah. uh, whenever you paste anything in Photoshop, it actually will check it against um, currency to see if you're uh, yep. copying money mm-hmm. into a file and it'll prevent you from doing it. Uh, so, so did you do any experiments to see um, if you could figure out the algorithm by cropping the money in certain ways or, or making um, other changes? If you do any sort of screenshotting, so say if like, you know, you copy and paste off the internet and you try pasting it in, it'll say no. If you mm-hmm. screenshot, it won't do it. If you do it into Illustrator, it will do it. And then you can actually copy that as a smart object and bring it into Photoshop and it will copy in. Uh-huh. Weird. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I went down the rabbit hole. I can't, what was I looking at? But there, I was reading something about the different... Uh, you know, paranoias that'll crop up when the general public becomes aware of something like bath salts or whatever it is. And um, uh there was something I was reading about where in the UK for a while, everybody was freaked out that kids would supposedly collect feces and urine and you put it in a bottle and leave it in the sun for like a couple weeks. And then you huff the gas that is created and then the, there, there was this whole debate online as to whether it was actually a thing or just like completely the invention in the style of, you know, um, uh, oh, what's the old, uh, a reefer madness or something. Well, on oh, on man. Wikipedia, it is called Genkem. It's yeah, a, there you go, man. Yeah, J-E-N-K-E-M. <laughs> and it sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> you heard it here first, listeners. Please... Please do not do this. <laughs> please, please don't make that our next challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. J- Jarrett, we're in your hands. Yeah. Be, be, yep. be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, Jared, I don't know if you've listened to our last couple episodes, but we've been talking a lot about being of a certain, like being, uh, well, in many cases, a man of a certain age and mm-hmm. remembering anger, and some might say hate, but in that sort of like music way, mm-hmm. uh, b- b- being important to our formative years. And I really got a kick out of your garbage can that, that, <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't calling for an end to hate, but just less hate. <laughs> yeah. As if to acknowledge that, you know, that it can have its uses in certain cases. Was I taking the, <laughs> the wrong message from that project? Well, for people who haven't seen it, it's basically a, a trash can that's a, that at a certain angle when you stand at, a, at the right side of it, it'll say love and hate on the side of it, um, on the side of the trash can. But as you walk around it, the entire thing will distort out until it becomes unrecognizable. Uh-huh. And the that project was this kind of, um, it was like this idea of love and hate and having an interact, interactive kind of uh, aspect to it. So that way, because most of the time when you see these trash cans, you kind of, you know, you look at them, you spend like five seconds with it and you go like, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm going to move on to this next one. 
And I wanted this one just to be where there's a little bit of surprise and kind of um, uh, discovery when you uh, walk around the thing. And mm -hmm. then and as you get closer to it, it actually says love more and hate less. So then it's uh, sending like one message from far away and another one when you get up close to it. So it's, um, you know, in this day and age, it feels like that uh, there's a lot more hate than there is love. So then I wanted it to be that so people can discover that with the trash can. And um, Coachella um, sort of commissions them, right? Like different artists make different ones. Uh, yeah, it's actually through another company. It's called uh, Global Inheritance. So okay. they're a, a group that uh, promotes uh, environmentalism, like for in terms of recycling and kind of uh, like trash awareness when you're at these festivals, just because there's trash everywhere there. Like people just tend to just drop yes. things, you know, where they where they stand and then just walk away. So then. Um, huh. They have features in there where if you bring enough, like, uh, you know, empty bottles to them, they'll give you a free water bottle, you know, free water in return. And then they have, like, different kind of prizes for whoever um, turns in the most. So they basically run the program where they invite artists to come out and participate and decorate the trash cans. And in return, they give you a ticket to the show. Oh, that's cool. It looks like it's as simple as just filling out a little form and then posting the concept design with a hashtag mm -hmm. on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Yeah. It's it's pretty neat. I mean, if anyone out there is you know, interested in making art and going to Coachella for free, it's not a bad way to go. Jared and I used to work together. Um, and Jared was known where I worked. Um, uh, <laughs> how do I put this? Nice. So this is going to be good. <laughs> whenever Jared's name was used, the the sentence "He's super talented" would <laughs> would, would always come out right after it. Really? Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because Jared was sort of um. So hmm, sorry, I'm sort of I'm not trying to dance around the question. I'm just trying to figure out how to formulate it. What's what's it like to be super talented? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Like, and I think um, the reason people thought that is because they would see you drawing and practicing drawing and and drawing and practicing drawing and drawing and practicing drawing. Mm -hmm. And so, I think you would think of that as work or practice. Yeah, you know, and and I think they thought of it as like just you know creative genius oozing out of you which and and yeah. i don't i don't want to i don't want to blunt your creative genius mm -hmm. because i do think your work yeah. is totally amazing yeah. but but mm -hmm. like i think i think you think of it differently and like you've yeah. put in a ton of work to to do what you do and yeah. i was just wanted i was just curious about how you still get joy from a thing that you work so hard at all the time well i mean the yeah the thing about talent is i feel like I feel like it's one of those terms that gets thrown around a lot. You know, if, if you're good at something, it's like you're, you're talented. But then the thing is, like, I, I used to suck at everything, you know. I had to get good mm -hmm. at things. Mm -hmm. So then, like, uh, I feel like when, like, sometimes people say, like, oh, you're so talented. And I, I just say, oh, thanks. But the the thing is, is, like, I feel like they're, like, kind of uh, assigning it to me. They're just kind of like, oh, yeah. you've always been talented. That's the way it always has been. And it's like, right. it's like no, dude, I've, I've worked really hard to do this. And yeah. like, um, yeah. I feel like the, when people use the word talent, then it's, um, they don't mean it anyway, you know, badly, but then at the same time, it's yeah. like, I've put in a lot of time to be bad at something until like, you know, someone at some point has said like, oh, you're pretty good. And then from then on, it's like, you know, you only get better. So, right. cause a lot of people do, do ask me, it's like, how do you know how to do everything? And it's like, well, um, like whenever I talk to like new designers or, you know, juniors, I usually will tell them that it's, uh, whenever I do a project, it's always about the process. And then whenever I walk in there, I have a, you know, a fictional toolbox full of skills. Each time that I'm, I'm doing one of these things, I'm adding something that I have no idea how to do. So then uh, sometimes uh -huh. it's, you know, using Arduino and never doing electronics before. And I'll take that and put it in my toolkit. And then sometimes it'll be, oh, I haven't used oil paint before. And I'll take that and put it in my toolkit. So uh, talent's just kind of like an accumulation of things you've learned to do. Yeah, I really like that notion that calling somebody talented, interestingly, is a sort of dismissive thing in some ways. Because it, 
it suggests that it's something that was bestowed upon you instead of just a lot of, you know, sweat equity. Do you have ways like right now that you use to like measure, is it new things that you learn or sort Mm -hmm. of? Well, um, that's with drawing in particular, like I have the benefit of working at a game company that um, Uh they basically have avenues to improve yourself as an artist here. So they actually have uh, figure drawing classes every week. So then they have a model come in and you can go into, you know, they have a, a set space so that way all the artists can go there and practice. And um, it's like being at a game company as a visual designer rather than, uh, you know, one of the artists is that like when I go in there, I'm one of the worst ones there. So then like Uh when Uh I walk in there, it's always like, oh, God, you know. And but when I start going, it becomes um, less about like, you know, what other people around me are making than trying to improve upon myself and then be very conscious of what I'm doing. Because um, right, right. I don't like. I don't know if anyone out there is like sketches a lot, but a lot of times people do this like sketch, 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 sketch kind of little hairy lines, and then um, oh, yes, and yeah, and it just kind of turns into this this kind of you know a hairy mess, and then it's you know setting myself down and being like, okay, I'm gonna do long deliberate lines where once I put the you know my my chalk down or my pencil down or whatever, then it's gonna be one flowing line. And then try to uh-huh. you know keep those going as I can, so it's like little challenges that you have to kind of set for yourself and be very conscious of what you're trying to improve. That's really neat. That's cool because I, I also like even though I feel like I'm a quote unquote you know creative person, drawing in general has sort of escaped me mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, I took one drawing class, and it was fine, but um, the model we had was this guy Steve, and he was um, like an ex navy boxer kind of guy <laughs> mm-hmm. but but he was um quite a bit older I mean, he was maybe in his 60s but like in very good shape mm-hmm. um which was a kind of perfect figure drawing model you know he's like both old and built mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah. yeah so you could get really interesting like facial lines and skin and stuff but at the same time like he was built like a tank like really super sturdy and like in really good shape mm-hmm. but um and he 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 was many many different schools figure model mm-hmm. and so i forget who did this but it was so brilliant they had the steve show where everyone brought their drawings and sculpted <laughs> oh. heads and stuff of him oh that's awesome <laughs> and did, did he come to the show he did they invited him to come and he was stoked like he was so <laughs> happy about it <laughs> yeah 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 and he was always like a really nice interesting kind of wacky dude and he um it was just really cool to see him get recognition too in a way that like mm-hmm. it's hard work like he would mm-hmm. always do pull-ups and stuff every time he had a break just to like stay in shape and stuff and like it was cool to see him recognize and they had um there was like a walkway up to the show you know mm-hmm. like a kind of sidewalk and along the sidewalk on both sides they had heads of steve all the way up the walkway <laughs> and stuff like it was it was really good that is really awesome yeah it's cool, a really cool tribute to like someone's labor that most people don't really recognize yeah. you know Taylor, should we jump into projects? I think we should. I think you're first this week, if I'm not mistaken. And we'll put a Jared in the middle so he's bookended by by our comforting glue. Okay, I'm ready when you are. Oh, I, I said that even though... Okay, ready? Three, two, one, click it. Rob's uh, painting some board with a roller on the ground. It looks like it's, uh, is it black? And just filling in the entire space. Mm-hmm. Just a big sheet of like eight, four by eight cardboard, I think. Uh, I'm also digging Rob's use of fast mo, which he's, uh, yeah. he's been experimenting with. Mm-hmm. And then Illustrator. Mm-hmm. Who could forget those lovely UI changes that come every 13 seconds with an Adobe product? <laughs> Abolish ice. And uh, <laughs> getting the fonts right, Rob. You'll see why I'm, you'll see why I'm laughing at this in a minute. Okay, let's go ahead and blast that font. Thousand point, all capital letters, sans serif sans font, serif. postery. Now he's reversing it, which automatically makes me think that he's doing some kind of printmaking or um, uh, exposure process. 
like light sensitive exposure process. And you're doing dashed lines on it, or uh-huh. well, more like dotted lines. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. So maybe there uh, it's going to be a template for putting in holes or nails mm-hmm. or lights, mm-hmm. like little LEDs or something. Okay. Interesting. I hadn't thought of that kind of application before. Yeah, Illustrator is pretty great for this. I'm also digging that um, I feel pretty confident about the fact that these will be holes and also pretty confident that Rob's just going to have to do it by hand, which, I, which, <laughs> I'm, lo- which I'm loving. <laughs> oh man even just doing the arrangement of the pages is going to be a pain uh, right now you're printing oh, yeah, you them think out he's gonna... <laughs> and, yeah and you're yes. tiling it all out oh my god doing it the hard way i love it that is a hard way <laughs> yep is he gonna then not bother to print the top and the lower row because there's no actual material on there yeah huh. there we go and here comes the drill bit. Yeah, you're gonna be drilling holes through there, through all the dots. Wow, yeah, Rob, you put on um, uh, ear protection when you're drilling uh, holes. That's pretty responsible, man. I also listen to podcasts. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's headphones. Yeah. <laughs> and here come the Christmas lights. Oh, nice. See, I was, of course, going immediately to oh, he's gonna put like addressable LEDs in there, or whatever. But of course, Christmas lights is the way to go. So did you have these left over from uh, Christmas, or did you actually have to go find these? Fortunately, our friends at Amazon.com, the holidays are year-round. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. I'm interested that Rob chose to print this out in reverse and do it on the back, and I'm curious why not just do it on the front. You know what I mean? Because also then when you drill it, all the hairy stuff would blow out the back. Hey. Yes. Cut to finish. Wow. Is that illuminated? It looks great. It yes. just looks like looks, a, like an export from Illustrator. That's pretty awesome. So is this thing being displayed somewhere? Uh, not in that photo, but it, it will be. Very cool. At an undisclosed location. Nice. <laughs> are you going to battery power it, or are you going to find a plug-in? So I got them, and they have a little solar panel, which is cool, but the the battery is built in to the like hunk of plastic, you know? Mm. Um with and you can't really pop it open or anything so either i'm going to have to decide to like charge it and then set it up um or you know cut the cable and attach a bigger battery if i want it to run longer i need to do some light tests to like see how long it'll stay illuminated for you know mm-hmm. so taylor you are right um there is a downside to um essentially uh working from the back of the board mm-hmm. and then drilling and then uh, drilling into it but um and it did cause a little bit of a problem because you know the blowout yeah. from drilling through cardboard is gonna is a little bit rough but the reason i did it is i wanted to be able to if i work on the back i can like make mistakes with glue mm-hmm. and just with mm-hmm. i could just make all the mistakes and not have to worry about mm-hmm. it but what i could have done right is drilled the holes from the front and then flipped it over and work from the back right. which is probably how i should have done it mm-hmm. um but I was pretty proud of myself for remembering to flip it over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just going to run with it. And that's what I did. But um, I will say that I spent two or three days trying to figure out crazy methods through JavaScripting, Adobe Illustrator and stuff, how to do the dots. <laughs> because I wanted, I wanted enough dots yeah. that you could actually see each letter crisply. You know? yeah. like, um, and you had to count each dot like to every- make sure you didn't run out when you hook up the lights. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And every, but like every time, everything I tried didn't recognize the corners as being critical to the dot layout. So like if you put down like a dot every centimeter, Mm -hmm. the corners don't actually, most corners just won't get cert, won't get a dot. Mm -hmm. And then it just looks like garbage when you light it up. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see in the video, I was like flipping it from like a black background to white dot. So I could kind of see what it would look like, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, there's cops going by in my house. Um, That's the sound of the police. <laughs> it, it, is, it happens a lot. But um, what I realized is is the the basic dash function. Mm-hmm. If you the basic dash function, if you put a dash of zero width, mm-hmm. zero length, yeah. it makes a dot. Yeah, and those dots always get placed in the corners, which is perfect. Yeah. So 
the built-in like easy dumb illustrator thing totally works i just yeah, yeah, think man. it would very very cool you know so i um as you will see i was uh mining a similar territory uh read the exact same territory with my project but um mm. one of the things that i got thinking about was once you know once i got interested in that phrase and made a project about it i thought well i should probably start researching it and so I came to feel that, like, I'm curious what you guys think, because abolishing the agency mm-hmm. as a policy move is probably not going to accomplish the sort of the, the spectrum of things that we would like to see accomplished in this territory, whether it's, you know, immigration or child separation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, Rob, do you um, do you think of that as a policy thing or is it more of a call to arms that's more abstract? I think if you're, I I I I've heard that argument as well, mm-hmm. and I I definitely did the same thing where I sort of thought about that. E- yes, of course, just like saying like we're not going to have police anymore. Instead, they're going to be called they're going to be called football quarterbacks or something. <laughs> like, well, yeah, of course, like that's not going to fix anything. But if you're to the point where you're like, we got to get rid of this whole department, this whole agency because it's wrong and corrupt. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a pretty good first step. You know, like, um, to recognizing that it is fucked up and recognizing that, like, change needs to happen. It's sort of like, it's the inverse of why, like, George Bush created the Department of Homeland Security, right? It's like, he created that agency to solve what he saw as a problem, and I want to dismantle an agency to solve what I think is a problem. So, I I think on NPR, they were saying how uh, ICE actually incorporates two different kind of uh, departments, Mm-hmm. that like that's underneath it and then the other department is like holy crap you guys are making us look bad and um they're trying to separate themselves from the enforcement agency side of it yep so yep. then um yeah. yeah i can see how like uh i think it's like a call to arms where people need to stand up for what they think like uh america is and then mm-hmm. what is important yeah. to us as a people and um i think that you're right that if they if that's our, you know, abolish, if abolish ISIS are, you know, our battle cry, then so be it. But then, you know, it's, um, I think it's just going to, hopefully it'll get enough people activated to address these problems and, you know, actually care about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't see it as an end game. I see it as a beginning. Yes. You know, and I think that's the difference. Cool. I hear that. All right, Jared, let's see what you got. I guess you could just uh, walk through the images and talk about them, and then I'll talk about what the my idea was. Cool. Yeah, let's see. Here we go. Downloading now. Okay. This is where I this is where I put in the hold music. Uh, Taylor, if I think we're on the same, mm-hmm. looking at the same thing, I see images zero one through zero nine. Uh, yep. I'm on zero one, and I, mm-hmm. I'm opening up the first one. Oh, uh, Rob, I I had to look up the translation, but do you know it off the top of your head? I don't. What What did you look up? Uh, juntos is together in Spanish. Ah, oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. I'm, okay. I'm seeing the classic hallmarks of laser on some kind of um, hardboard or maybe plywood, but I'm not seeing those plies in the. Mm-hmm edge but you got that browned edge and then what looks to be um raster engraved text on the interior yeah and it's like a large similarly bold font as mine we have some similar font choices <laughs> uh yours are it's, it's italicized in some sort of slightly elongated mm-hmm. um taylor how big it's hard to know how big those are because we don't have any references yeah sorry yeah, they're pretty small. They're maybe like an inch okay. and a half wide and maybe like oh. half an inch to like maybe 0.6 tall. Oh, yeah. Cool. And Jared, don't sweat it. We uh, we love the uh, the thrill of the chase when it comes to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> identifying. It's like, hmm. It's like, Taylor, well, if, if that's MDF, I, I think each one of those grains of MDF <laughs> is one millimeter. That would mean these pens are... <laughs> All right, should we look okay, at image so I'm two? Okay, two. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Taylor, you're onto something here. Mm-hmm. This is this is something I'm always talking to my students about because uh, these all these tools like 3D printers and lasers and so forth they're really good 
at prototyping and iteration. And I find that a lot of people save up all their juice and try just to get it all done in one go. So it's really nice to see here Jarrett's uh, sort of in-process sketch where he's testing different engraving um, strengths on a particular um, piece of material, like a little um, index plate, uh, kind of like a test strip if you ever used to do uh, classical uh, darkroom photography. Yeah, and so we have 10 shapes, and they're roughly all squares. There's, I guess they are all our squares. And Jarrett, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. or Taylor Joe. I think what we're seeing is the number of watts applied to the laser and then the darkness of brown that it creates. Percentage, I believe, is what we're seeing. Oh, is that percentage? Mm-hmm. Okay. So 10%. Oh, I guess. Oh, I see. 10% of whatever the power of the laser mm-hmm. is is creating a kind of a light, almost kind of light coffee kind of brown. And then it gets progressively darker as you increase the percentage wattage of the laser all the way up to 100%, which is a very sort of um, 90 and 100 are both kind of burnt toast mm-hmm. looking kind of. Yeah. I um I prefer thirty percent personally. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but that's just me. Uh yeah, so I I love seeing um uh effort put into the process element where it's it's leaving behind a um uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like we have an artifact of the working process that's uh yeah. that effort has gone into. Mm-hmm. And I like seeing that preserved in the photograph. That's cool. So number three, Rob, what do you see? Yeah, we see Juntos again. It looks like it's darker this time than the first two, mm-hmm. seemingly. And I think the first two are actually the, the final project. That's my guess, yeah. too. This one, maybe it was the first pass to mm-hmm. see how it's going to go, or one of the fir- more introductory passes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now we're seeing the Juntos text, and we're seeing five passes, I think. The first pass is 100% power, Oh, and the grain orientation of the wood, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Either vertically, vertical grain or horizontal grain, so either turning the wood 90 degrees or not. And no tape. Oh, so that is that putting tape, it's burning through the tape? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the, the blowout, so if you look at number two, you can still even see a little bit of evidence at the top right on the end, but that, f- that ah, fogging yeah. that you get tends to be um, uh, helped out by tape. Aha. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, right. So Jarrett made five, one, two, three, four, five of them. And now we're seeing a, yeah, a close up of image number five. Uh-huh. So that's 80% power. Uh, and the grain is left, right. Mm-hmm. And with the blue tape. All right. Oh, oh and then we're getting, oh, yep. the, is that right? Uh, what's it called? Do you want me to tell you why the grain matters? Yes. So. The wood is bendable. Because mm. if the grain is going up and up and down, it'll snap in half if you try to you know bend it in the center. Mm-hmm. So then, um, and because it's 100% power, it cuts so deep into there that it's actually flexible at that point. So right. then, I had to turn the grain and turn the power down because otherwise, the structure of the pin would actually fall apart. Oh wow, that's Makes cool. Sense. Yeah. 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 And number five, actually, you have to look really close in between the N and the T to see what I did there. Yeah. Uh, Rob, take a look at images five and six if you haven't already. I see. So I see. I see like a blistery dot in between the N and the T. I think it's resin or clear coat or something. It was a, a UV cured resin. Oh. Oh, fancy. That's cool. Is that. Do you use that? You use the sun to cure it, uh, or is it like a lamp? I got a little flashlight, and oh, cool. yeah, the bubbles are actually a mistake because <laughs> um, when I was trying to build this thing, like I, like I put all the the resin on top, and then um, it looked fine. And then the minute I hit it with the light, then it just kind of all these yep. bubbles kind of shot out of it. It's exothermic, and then the wood actually holds a lot of air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you look at image number eight, Rob. Um, I have to say my confidence in the lack of toxins plummets when the bottle says toxic free. <laughs> <laughs> it does have a dolphin on it, which is nice. Yeah. We're looking at a bottle of resin, uh, 60 grams, which is grams is always hard for me to measure, but it's, um, 
like small Elmer's glue bottle size, it looks uh, like. Mm-hmm. And it says transparent, quick curing, toxic free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That dolphin is awesome. <laughs> so that last image um, includes the original graphic for Juntos, but then there's also um, some more intriguing uh-huh. ones, including a swimming pool, a barbecue, and a plastic bottle. Um, I'm curious to know more about the uh, uh, the letters attached to each one, which I'm assuming mm-hmm. uh-huh. relate to California. But Rob, can you... Uh, dive in there maybe but, but in C so there's a swimming pool that has no cal in <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah could be or that normally yeah. closed. or nor- North Carolina yeah. or normally closed mm-hmm. but it's a swimming pool and then OAK is on a like a barbecue grill mm-hmm. which I assume is Oakland and then San Francisco SF maybe is on a plastic water bottle uh-huh. mm-hmm. I wanted to make these these pins about resistance so that way people can identify with um, particular like movements or whatever beliefs. And um, so the Oakland one is the, the, the guy who's trying to have a barbecue in the, um, uh, at, in Oakland. And then he had the cops, he had the cops called on him. You would have like the Oakland pin for the, the lady that was breaking up the barbecue. The, yes. the San Francisco water bottle one was this little girl who, um, she was selling water outside of her home and cause her mom told her like, you know, it's, uh, if you want to go to Disneyland cause she has been pestering her about going to Disneyland. She's like, well, you're going to have to help us out cause it costs a lot of money. So then the little girl was selling water outside to try to raise money to go to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And yep. this lady comes by and tells her that she's not allowed to sell water and needs a permit. And then <laughs> the North Carolina pool one was, um, it's actually not just North Carolina now. Now there's a whole bunch of stories of sure. people calling the cops on on these black people who are enjoying their own pool. Like it's a community pool, and they'll go to it, and then they basically are told they're not welcome and they need to leave. Oh yeah, my was, God. wasn't there something Ugh. about somebody who was wearing socks in the pool, or just something, like yeah. completely bizarre? Yeah, yeah, and there was some woman that assaulted like a little kid that was at the pool and told him to leave. Wow, these pins are super cool, yeah. man. That's a really great idea. I, That's really, I really, really like cool. the the graphic design he did, particularly on the uh, the barbecue. Oh, thanks. <laughs> they, they kind yeah. of have a tattoo feel to me. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really Rob, cool. Rob, one of these days, we're going to have to do a challenge where we all get a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm right? That's true. Jared, that's so cool. cool. Oh, wait, so we skipped an image. Well, we didn't skip an image, but you... Image number seven mm-hmm. is... Is that your Glowforge? Uh, yes, it is my Glowforge. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It's a it's a fun little, well, not that little piece of uh, equipment that's in my apartment that just eats up a lot of space. <laughs> yeah, one of the few because it was a Kickstarter project, right? It's the the rare uh, Kickstarter yeah. bird that actually shipped. Yeah, it, I, I figured it was Kickstarter, but I definitely pre-ordered it, and it took like two years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, it was, uh, I'm definitely glad that I stuck through it, but at the same time, it's like, that's a lot of money just to, to give to somebody and then hope it comes back. Uh-huh. Right, right. Rad, man. Well, wow. excellent work. Yeah, I hope the... Um, yeah, that was great. I hope well, you go ahead you. and produce the additional the additional images as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if people are interested in them, the other idea behind the project was, because um, I was actually going to learn how to pour metal. Like, uh, I was going to try to make some pewter casts of these. Mm-hmm. But wow. but all the material for it was just going to take way too long, and two weeks wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um. But if I was to make these, like, and people were interested, then I actually would probably make pewter or uh, pins out of them, and then sell them, and then donate all the money. Yeah. In a previous episode, I did um little uh, uh pewter casts. So I don't know if you've gone through the process before, but I can give you all the different um specs on the materials and stuff it's it's oh, really be, easy that'd to be do. awesome yeah for sure yeah sign me up i'll buy one no doubt <laughs> yeah that's cool cool yep i'll even just take a wooden one if you've got one to spare. yeah so. if you want i can yeah, if you really guys cool. want one um i can send them to you yeah of course excellent cool. we're all about it Yay! yeah liz yeah. from the last episode sent us uh circuit boards for a little macro keyboard and um, I was just thinking that, uh, so I've got a, a PC that runs all my media in my living room. And uh, because my Microsoft account is also online, right, you can log into Microsoft using 
the same password that I used to log into my computer, one has to use for the Microsoft account that's public facing. Because mm-hmm. um, otherwise, I would just make it a really weak password. But so I have this like giant yep. password at home I have to use. And so I was thinking yep. about making Liz's circuit board into a macro just to help me log in at home. So it's not such a big pain in the butt. <laughs> That's a great idea. Taylor, you are up. Let's do it, man. So the first image I'm seeing is what looks to be Taylor's fist in like a classic protest fist pose. Yeah. Like thumb out. Fingers towards the camera. Yep. And let's see. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then it's a kind of a corrugated, is that wood board? And then um, it's looks like it's been CNC'd to say abolish ice uh, on it. <laughs> and it's reversed. Yeah, I had a comment about CNC from a listener. So CNC is from our last episode cnc is stands for is it computer numeric control uh, that's yes. right is that right and essentially it's um like a like a palm router or just like a sort of like a, a very fast it's like a plunge router of uh, some sort yeah uh attached to uh like is taylor with a one that big is that stepper motor still that mm-hmm. control the for the pedant in me Computer uh-huh. <laughs> numerical control, if you're running a laser cutter or a 3D printer or a CNC mill, all these tools are a computer controlling motor movement, right? So basically they're mm-hmm. all CNC. Mm-hmm. But uh, because of the way that just the general language has adopted uh, one term over another, we generally just use CNC when we're talking about CNC mills. So you have mm-hmm. a spinning bit that can both cut horizontally and vertically, unlike a traditional drill bit. And then you have yep. a big computer-controlled system that has at least three axes of freedom. So in a simple CNC, you're moving that bit um, in linear dimensions, X, Y, and Z. But in more complicated ones, you also have rotational axes, A, B, and C. Um, mm. So that might be how you could mount, for example, a cylindrical piece of stock on a rotational axis and then carve it out uh, with three um, linear axes. And in Taylor's piece here, Taylor's CNC is quite big. It's like four feet by eight feet, roughly. Um, that looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it, pretty big. it uh, uh, and it says abolish ice. <laughs> I routed it into that board, and that looks like a that board looks really. Yeah, heavily textured. Uh-huh. It looks, Jared, you said it has a cor- like a corrugated kind of look to it. Yeah, on the image three, it looks uh-huh. like you actually yep. made the corrugations using your um, your your mill. Uh-huh. Yep, uh-huh. that's cool. So, what's the um, in the center of it? It looks a little bit distressed. Was that because something hit the wood before you milled it, or is that a pro- from the process of milling it? Those are intentional marks, so so carry on, and you know they will be revealed. Aha! Uh-huh. Nice. So image number four, uh, I see Sorry. some letters, right? That have the, the sort of punched out letters, like the B and the S, like the kind of waste material letters that have popped out. Mm-hmm. And then there's a saw and a file, so doing some yep. sort of cleanup work on it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And next image is uh number five is um the painted letters so um all the letters have been removed and uh painted black with the wood still being exposed on the edges yeah it looks great oh yeah so what uh aha so this looks like what i thought was the kind of waste material for each letter being popped out i think is probably actually the real letter itself taylor is that called a brayer wheel or something those wheels that are that you ink and then roll over the with the surface yeah so it's not paint it's it's ink oh and it's like a hard rubber kind of wheel uh-huh. or something uh-huh. yeah very okay cool. i've always seen those online but i've never used one so that's cool very cool and we see some ink some like printmaking inks and those like classic printmaking ink canisters like those tin mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. cans which is nice uh number six uh uh-huh. oh i see it now yeah uh-huh. the 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 large corrugated ink 
um, board that was cut out of is all uh, uh, been rolled with red pa- uh, red ink, and yeah. uh, the image that's been distressed in the center of it is now a lot more visible, and it's the raised yeah. fist. Yeah, that's so cool. That is really yeah, cool. Yeah, so the the photo that we saw of Taylor's fist is now, I guess, um, etched or what's it carved? I guess uh, into what is that? You think, uh, Jared, like two foot by three foot sign? Uh, yeah, like it looks bigger, maybe. Yeah, probably about two foot by three foot. Yeah. Um, actually, maybe a little bit bigger. Maybe that's three foot by yeah. four foot. Because mm-hmm. it's as it's as wide as the table, so the table is pretty wide. Yep. Yep. Aha, in image number seven, we're seeing a zoomed in of that, which is giving us more detail for each of those lines. Mm-hmm. With all the letters placed in um, where they were. Yes. Yeah. So the letters that were sort of routed out are now kind of popped back in. But because they're inked black, they look really bold and nice and stand out. Mm-hmm. And. Oh, and I guess wow. this is the final print uh, for number eight. Yeah. That looks really awesome really awesome uh-huh, yeah thanks. yeah so did you do it um do you use the brayer by hand or did you use like a roller to to find to apply the ink to the paper so the the little brayer was used for the letters because the largest letter is you know maybe no more than 10 inches high mm-hmm. but then for the big one there are these big we, we have some really nice printmaking facilities at columbia college okay. um and so, uh, yeah, so, so there was a special, like a giant roller. And, and you're right that it's about three by four feet, uh, the final image. is About as large as I could make it using our printmaking equipment. That's very cool. That's really cool. Yeah, so it's, Taylor, how do you, is there a way do you, you um, describe that, that like line width creating mm-hmm. the white part? Yeah, so if you if you know Photoshop, right, you can go in there and you can um, halftone in a couple different ways. Yeah. And mm-hmm. one of the halftone methods is to make lines at a certain angle that vary in width that will give you the overall impression of, of tones. Mm-hmm. And so this was a process. I keep trying to do stuff with the CNC machine where I'm not just feeding in something and doing exactly what the machine knows how to do. So in this right, case, right. I kind of broke the process a little bit. So I'd, I'd take an image, which I prepared in Photoshop, and then um, imported that into Rhino as a height field. So it'll give you, you can tell it what the, uh, the overall depth of relief is in the height field. Uh, in this case, I just said it was point, 0.25 inches, and then you know the blacks are very high, and then the whites are very low within that range. Um, mm-hmm. But then instead of taking that surface and trying to render it exactly in a sculptural way, uh, which you would normally do with a round-ended bit, I tried to use that kind of process, but used a V-mill bit, which has a a point on the end. So if you imagine the bit being shaped like a cone with a point down, as the bit raises and lowers to try to accomplish the relief, um, mm-hmm. it'll make a larger or a skinnier line as it rasters across the surface of the wood. So Very you, cool. Thanks. So you effectively get in a dark area uh, almost no penetration or zero, and then in a light area you get very deep penetration, which effectively makes the cut wider. Um, so that would... It, it, it's basically like uh, a sort of a, a fake way of achieving the Photoshop filter, so even though it, the Photoshop filter exists in the sort of graphic designer's uh, aesthetic vocabulary, this is going about it in a way that's inherent to the 3D process instead of the 2D process, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. So how, that's really how cool. thick was the bit? Was the bit like a quarter inch? Right. Um, I think it's a half inch bit. Oh, okay. Um, so then it's a half-inch bit, and I think the angle on the V-mill is 60 degrees. So then that gives you a notion of the deeper you go, it, it widens out that trough. Um, so, that, yeah, there was, like, a lot of noodling around trying to figure out um, how deep the relief should be and how far apart each um, each raster and the, uh, the pass should be in terms of bit width. Hmm. Man, that's really cool. I love the final pro- product. Oh, thanks. And- 
It looks and great. Yeah. Is the and you did like a like a kind of a cloth fiber um, paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is something I got out of our fashion department. Um, it was kind of stretchy, so what I'm looking at now is to order some muslin, which I think is more dimensionally stable for future prints. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. And then in image ten, you have an is that an alternate take or like a zoom in of the fist? Yeah, so that's that's where I'm going with next. So uh, in the original, what I've been really getting into um, with this process, I think with the one in ten. Um, I started out in the morning with an idea and then I had a proof of the idea printed by about 2 PM. So I'm getting the process down pretty fast. Uh, the thing with the last image is that I went in, um, in illustrator and I added some contour lines. So I'm starting to really hone in on an aesthetic that is sort of half cartoony and half, um, photographic. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I could just spend an entire year at this point just pushing on these processes and trying to push out a whole bunch of really large-scale images. So I'm pre- pretty excited about it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And this is like a culmination of months of work, really, that you've sort of been honing in oh, on yeah, for sure. these processes, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's really cool. Oh, so, um, yeah. one side thing is uh, I actually have, a, I guess, a handheld CNC at home. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, the Shaper Origin. Yeah, oh. we just talked to Andy Berkey about yeah. the Shaper. Yeah, so I yeah. have one, and I haven't figured out what I'm going to make with it. But if you got one of those, you're actually not limited by the size of your CNC if you wanted to go really big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then I think it's an issue wow. of just being limited by the press. I'm going to participate in a um, – I talked about it last episode – participating in an event – where there's a literal steamroller um, that's going to print out these plates that are three feet by eight feet. Mm-hmm. But it does make one wonder, is there something out there that could allow you to print even bigger? So it's it's funny to see you kind of squeeze mm-hmm. the water balloon and figure out where the limit is, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, theoretically, <laughs> I mean, you could actually just uh, sell the plate and then not the actual print. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so if, if I were to cut oh, it with right. a shaper, yeah, I could just... Um, uh, I could just roll the surface with paint and then just leave it right there. So yeah. that, that might be worth checking out. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's cool. That's really cool. Very, very cool. Wow. Yeah, Ab- abolish ice. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, we got we got the, the resistance flow in this episode. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks, Liz. This is Liz's challenge. Yeah, it was a, it was a good one. It was a good one. Yeah, you can find photos of our finished projects over at projects.opposablepodcast.com. And uh, this episode, if you haven't been to that site or if you haven't been there in a while, that would be a really good and rewarding trip for you over to get over to projects.opposablepodcast.com because we will have tons of photos in this episode that you'll want to check out. Um, all of our all of our works have a this episode have a kind of visual pop to them that I think will be pretty rewarding to check mm-hmm. out. Uh, we'd like to send you an Opposable Thumb sticker. Jarrett just got some in the mail. So if you yep. would like to join Jarrett in getting an Opposable Thumb sticker in the mail, uh, just share a podcast episode on social media or rate us on iTunes and let us know that you did and we'll send you a sticker. Um, you can contact us on Instagram at Opposable underscore podcast or at our email, opposablepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and thanks to Wolfmask for making our logo. Uh, we'd like to give Blondie Hack, Nick Kantar, and Walter Katundu a huge shout-out as being our top Patreon supporters. Thank you, Blondie Hack, Nick, and Walter. You guys are awesome. And uh, if you'd like to join them in the League of Patreon Supporter Badasses, please go to patreon.com slash thumbs to sponsor us. Anything you can donate super helps. Um, we have some shipping costs that we do to ship mics to guests and web hosting fees and stuff like that. And so all of your money definitely goes to a good place. And maybe one day we'll get to a place where we can waste your money. But at this Ooh, point, at this point we're not. Wait. At this point, we we aren't. So, so thanks, thanks for sending us a little bit. Um, our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter or religion or lack thereof. And we actively support an inclusive environment. And we want you to be a part of it. You can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. Um, Jarrett, do you have any links that you want to share or things that you're into that people should know about? Um, well, I mean, you can check out my Instagram. It's uh, O-H-R-A-L-E-Y on Instagram. And um, I mostly just put up stuff that I'm working on. Nothing too special at the moment. But um, uh, 
yeah, if I have anything else coming up, I'll definitely post it on there if you want to keep track. Awesome. Yeah, it's really rewarding to, to it's really cool to see all the the things that you're doing. And I think it's also a testament to what you said before of like when you see I think Instagram's kind of good for this, like when you see like um you know, people who you think of as like um who people might call like naturally talented or something. I think of there's some other guests that we've had that fall into that category of like you just see their work and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is like so so um like kind of high fidelity and stuff but then you see on instagram like how hard they work and how much they post and you're just like oh yeah like that thing looks amazing and it's because if you go back through instagram you can see they worked on it for three weeks straight like to make it look great and so it really is um kind of nice to be able to see people's in in process photos when i when i get the chance i usually try to uh demystify the creative process sometimes i'm a little bit too lazy for that but for some of my bigger projects i'll kind of show the process just because yeah, a lot of times people just don't realize that it is a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work, yeah. So I have one thing I I wanted to share, and I feel I feel kind of bad about sharing it, but I'm going to share it anyway because it's so bougie. It's painful, nice. but it's the, it's the iPad Pro. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been like the biggest iPad hater for years. I had the second version iPad, mm-hmm. I don't know, and whenever it came out, years ago. And I was like into it, but I was like, this thing, this is like Apple selling out the creative people who built the company. Like this is a media consumption device. It's not about creativity. Mm-hmm. Like, and I still stand by that, but, <laughs> but like, but the iPad pro has changed how I think about drawing. Mm-hmm. And I was a person who was very, I have for my whole life carried animosity towards drawing because i never felt like i was good at it i didn't practice it very much i it didn't feel rewarding so i didn't practice like it was just you know a wad of bad feelings Mm -hmm. that i've been carrying around in my backpack for my whole life and and so i was like i have a chance to get an ipad pro at work i'm gonna get one and the like apps that and i don't even have like a favorite app or anything but it's just like the ability to take what I always like about sort of various digital creation tools like Photoshop or Illustrator, like being able to um, layer things or group things or scale things or move things around Mm -hmm. with that sort of immediacy of a digital tool combined with drawing is amazing. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, and I have spent hours now just, just drawing things and trying to get better at it and like figuring out different strategies and like, learning how to color things and just like this whole world that I kind of just thought I could never, that just wasn't worth me trying, you know, Mm -hmm. like it seemed like always interesting, but it just felt like I would never get there has really been super fun. And so I stand corrected that, that the iPad has a really cool, neat thing. And I wouldn't say like spend a bunch of money and hope that you'll start to draw. It just kind of worked, worked out well for me that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's cool. And, and I was curious, Jared, you, you have had one on I've, and off. I've had one before. For, uh, I was curious what you think. I bought, like I got it when it first came out. And yeah, yeah. the main reason why was because I basically bought a, a Wacom uh, Cintiq. Oh yeah. Yep. And the Cintiq is kind of, if people don't know what that is, a Cintiq is basically a computer monitor that you can draw on. And the thing is, is that it does not include the computer. So it's a big, expensive piece of hardware. And mm-hmm. like Wacom, I feel like, has been squeezing artists even harder than Apple has. Because <laughs> yeah. those things cost like thousands of dollars. And um, when the iPad came out and they had the pencil, it basically was um, the, you know, the promise of being able to yep. draw on, you know, on a screen for something that was like $1,000, which is like half the price of what a Wacom Cintiq would cost. And yeah. um, the the crazy thing about it now is that it, like the uh, iPad and Pro and the Pencil will take you about 95% of the way to what a, a Cintiq could do. And um, it's it's very rewarding. And it's um, I feel like Apple will soon, and like this is me predicting, I don't know if they will or not, but I'm pretty sure they're going to make it standard where you can actually like airplay into your laptop and be able to draw on your screen using your iPad pro. So that would be cool. Yeah. And they actually have apps that do that. They have one that's called Astropad, 
and it'll okay. mirror your computer screen onto your iPad, and then you can use your pencil and have it be pressure sensitive. So you can actually draw in Photoshop using your iPad wow. Pro. That's cool. Yeah, and there's a couple apps I can recommend. Procreate is by far the the one I go to the most. It is, yeah, okay. And it's only like 10 bucks, right? Like It's, it's really, really not cheap. that expensive. And yeah. if you want to be a comic maker, there's, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the, the app, but there is a comic making uh, app where it's it takes you through the entire process of, you know, writing the script, pulling in word bubbles, typing in all of your text, um, you know, drawing, like sketching, inking, painting, like all those things, and as well as exporting to whatever medium format you uh you're trying to, you know, draw for. So it's it's That's pretty cool. amazing what uh, iPad Pro is able to to put out. That's yeah. I, I mean, it's wow. It's just been blowing my mind for the past few weeks. So yeah. I thought I'd give it a shout out, even though it feels really weird. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's definitely yeah. something that is still out of the reach of a lot of you know re- yeah. like normal artists if you're not a professional. Yep. Yep. Cool. T- Taylor, do you have uh, any any personal links or also like you have that upcoming event, but I was curious if you have anything else going yeah, on. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, there was just the Steam summer sale and I picked up this game called Broforce, which I think everybody should play. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's super amazing. Um, and it's uh, uh, women are included in the bros, but it, it like it goes through. They just hired a really great um, artist to back up the gameplay which is largely pixel based and so whenever you unlock a new character it's like um oh, what is it like a uh rambro and you know brobo cup and stuff like that and it's just i don't know just just go play it you can if you pick it up on a sale it's like three bucks and it's super fun and they've got some cookie monster metal dude who does all the voiceovers for it so it's great so uh, do you attack people with like fist bumps and stuff it's uh it, it it it's meat and potatoes 1980s contra missiles and grenades and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 not a thought piece for sure. Um that's amazing. Yeah, so check that out. And then um I've also been working with Nick uh, Bontrager on an article uh for the upcoming Signal Culture cookbook. Uh, they're putting out their second version which will have a bunch of uh, media-based DIY projects. But we're using this platform called Gitbooks, so G-I-T-B-O-O-K-S. And for anyone that's tried to power through uh, Latex or these other sort of journal-based formatting guidelines, Gitbooks looks super slick right now, and it makes it super easy to collaborate with somebody else to write effectively like a chapter book. Um, Oh, cool. And it's free uh, as long as you only have two collaborators which worked out perfectly for us. So check that out, and I'll I'll talk more about the article once it drops. But uh, I'll be working with Nick to write up this um, conference badge uh, project that we're working on, a PCB project. Yeah. Is it G-I-T or G-E-T? G-I-T, books? yeah, Get, uh, cool. like GitHub. And, uh, yeah, I think those are my two for right now. So Sweet. there you go. Those are, those are good. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are ready, Jared, yeah, for the challenge. Okay. Give it to us. Um, Jankum. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking maybe something along the lines of uh, that's not my style. Yeah. I can I can oh. work with it. So, not my style. It is. Do you have any... Um, any guidance oh, for no us? Way, should we not run it? <laughs> no way, dude. No, you can't ask for guidance. What are you doing, Rob? <laughs> well, I, I can tell you, like, one of the things um, when it comes to me, for me drawing and expanding my, yeah. my artistic style is I tend to try to identify what my style is, and then I'll break it, and I'll mm-hmm. try something that's yes. completely different. Very good. And then see if it works for me. And then, so it's kind of like the idea of, like, my toolbox so then you kind of venture off into unknown territory, try something you've never done that, you know, that you may have thought was cool or may is, is opposite of what you normally do. And then see what you learn and come back to your original style and see how if it you know, adds on or maybe it's just not your style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Cool. Oh, this one's going to be this great. Good. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. <laughs> hmm. It's funny because I am... Um, 
Jared, a number of episodes ago, I, I spent some time trying to work on what my style actually was. Mm-hmm. So now I get to I get to be free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I basically made a a pirate ship on top of the trash can. So, yeah. and unfortunately, it kind of looks more like a toilet than it does a, a pirate ship. But, but oh, um, <laughs> I totally did think that was a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it. Um, when I was like envisioning it in my brain and sketching it out, it, it looked a little bit more like a ship. But mm-hmm. you know, you can't control everything. <laughs>